This morning we're going to be in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. And in a little bit we're going to be reading beginning in verse 18. But for, for now I'd like to start with a different passage. It says this. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came among them. The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? That there's none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God, turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all he has, and he will curse you to your face. We've been saying the last two weeks or so that the battle is real. And if you've placed your trust in Jesus Christ, you've been delivered from those chains of darkness, and you've been brought into the kingdom of light. But that, all, that also means that you and I now live in a war zone. Paul told us in Ephesians 6.12, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Our, our enemy, he's powerful, he's evil, he's cunning. He wants to do us harm physically, but even more so, he wants to do us harm spiritually. And that's what the heavenly discussion was all about in Job chapter 1. The evil one's goal was far greater than to take away Job's wealth, slaughter his children, create havoc in his marriage. He wanted to destroy Job's reliance, his trust, his joy, his special intimacy with God. What did he hope would happen if God removed this, this hedge, this protection around him, and allow Satan to torment this poor man? What did he hope would happen? Well, verse 11, it's very clear. You've blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land, but stretch out your hand and touch all that he has. And what's the result, the desired result? He will curse you to your face. Satan may come at people, he may attempt to hurt them physically. He may attempt to hurt them financially. He may seek to bring all manner of tragedy into your life. But his sights are set on a far greater prize. Far greater than our temporal comfort. The thing he hates the most is the work that Christ has done in restoring your relationship with God. Just as he's turned on God and he's diametrically opposed to him, he wants to turn as many as he can against God as well. 
He will curse you to your face. That's the victory that he's looking for. Last week we noted that Paul doesn't make any mention about praying for hedges of protection. Now I don't think there's anything wrong with praying for God's protection. Now, on the contrary, there's, there's actually something very, very right about it. We should pray for our physical needs. It's biblical. Jesus himself said, pray in this way. Give us this day our daily bread. In other words, God, we ask and trust that you will care for our physical needs. James tells us in chapter 5, is anyone, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Clearly, we're to call on the Lord for all of our needs, casting all our anxieties on him because he cares for us, right? 1 Peter 5, 7. Paul writes in Philippians 4, verse 5. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, that is, making passionate pleas to the Lord, passionate requests to Him, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We're called to look to God for all of our needs. He wants us to do that. He is a good, good Father who wants to care for His people. And yet at the same time, we need to understand that health and wealth are not what the Christian life is all about. Not by a long shot. We're not here to find our best life now. On the contrary, we're here to enthusiastically give up our lives that we might find them in Christ. We know full well that this life, this is just preparation for the eternal life that we're going to have. We're going to step into one day, and we get closer and closer every second that passes by. Jesus never promised health, wealth, career advancement, or even safety during our stay here on earth. He actually said, and we've noted this several times, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Paul knew too well those hardships that would come for followers of Christ. He wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, Five times I received at the hand of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, and not in the way that people talk about today. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure." That's a lot of woes. In chapter 12, he talks about another infirmity that God allowed in his life. He writes, So 
to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded to the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Now we don't know with certainty what this thorn in his flesh was. But we do know that Paul prayed to the Lord at least three times, three times that God would deliver him from this physical problem that he was having. Again, there's nothing wrong with praying for physical protection, for healing, for financial provision, or any number of other needs that we may have. But notice there's something greater that's of concern to him. His primary concern here was spiritual. He knew that for the sake of God's glory and his own good, that life might not always be easy. He continues in verse 9, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, this is God saying to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We may not like suffering. And you know what? We shouldn't like suffering. We shouldn't like it at all. It's not natural. It's not the way that God designed this world to be. Just like death. You know, our society is trying to tell us that death is just a natural part of life. It's a circle of life kind of thing. Something that we we shouldn't be afraid of. We should actually embrace it. We should even welcome it. Some now are even planning their deaths as if it were some sort of twisted party, an event to be celebrated. You know, Christians may celebrate the lives of loved ones who have passed away. That's a good thing. But we don't celebrate death. We don't celebrate that. And that's because we know that suffering and death only exists because of sin. That's why it's here. They're terrible things. Things that should lead us to grieve, to weep, and more. And we also know that God allows these things into our lives, and he's working through them to accomplish an even greater purpose, a greater good, Romans 8.28. J.C. Ryle once wrote, I think I've mentioned this before, health is a good thing, but sickness is far better if it leads us to God. And that's why James can write in chapter 1, verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James, Paul, J.C. Ryle, they knew that there is something far greater God wants for us than health and wealth in this life. He wants a rich, full relationship. It's to find your hope 
peace, joy, satisfaction in God rather than the temporary, unsatisfying trappings of this life. Paul tells us that the real battle that we face, it's not against flesh and blood. It's, it's, it's against the rulers. It's against the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's where the real battle is. The real battle is a spiritual one that we face. And if that's the case, then the protection that we want, the protection that we really need, that protection is actually of a spiritual nature. Just like Job, the forces of evil, they may attack us physically. And we all have physical burdens. And some of you are going through heavy, heavy things. But we need to remember that the real goal, the real goal Satan has is to ruin us spiritually. To turn our hearts away from him. To sow seeds of resentment. To put in doubts in our minds saying, God, I don't think, I don't know if you really do love me. I don't know if you really do care about me. And to drive a wedge in between you and your relationship with God and between you and your relationship with each other. The enemy is real. He's powerful. He's cunning. He's evil. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God that he's given us, he's provided for us all the protection that we need. And it's found in Jesus Christ. That's what, that's, that's what the armor of God that we spoke about last week is all about. It takes the form of truth and righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It all revolves around God's truth and Jesus Christ. Christian, you and I, we need a hedge of protection, and we need it desperately. But the protection that we really need is more than just physical. It's spiritual. Paul lists off the armor of God, fully aware that we're going to face hard physical trials in our lives. And I believe that that's why he now calls us in verse 18 to pray. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Would you stand with me as we read from God's Word? Paul writes, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. The song we sang earlier said, Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? The answer is yes. We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. In light of the battle that rages on, in light of the war zone that we find ourselves in, in light of the relationships that we find tested time and time again in our homes and with each other and with others out there, in light of the sin that is all around us knocking at our doorstep and asking for us to indulge ourselves, in light of all that's going on, how should we pray? 
How should we pray? Paul says we need to pray every chance we get. Praying at all times, he writes in Ephesians 6.18, at all times. That could also be translated at every opportunity. At every opportunity, as we encounter various challenges, hardships, as we encounter difficult decisions, our first response should not be a brainstorming session. Nor should it be, call the insurance agent. Scramble to come up with some type of retort when someone comes at you with an accusation. No, our first response should be prayer. Why? Because turning to prayer is how we turn to the Lord for strength, for his power, for his wisdom, for his creativity, for all of those things that come from God, all of those things that we may need in that given moment, Paul told the Philippians, he said, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus, Philippians 4.19. He's the one that we need to be looking to. And yet our temptation is to look to all sorts of different things, right? When our peace is threatened, immediate prayer shows we know where true peace is found. It's found not in our hearts, not in something we we examine and dig deep within us and we discover that there's somehow peace locked up inside of us that we never knew that we had. No, we don't find peace in creative thinking or in eloquent speech Apart from God and the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ, what comes out of us is war. What comes out of our hearts is darkness and sin. Our selfish desires, they drive us further away from God rather than to Him. They drive us further away from each other than toward one another. Real lasting peace, it's only found in Christ. When our righteousness is threatened, Immediate prayer shows that we know where our righteousness comes from. It shows our dependence on Christ for our righteousness. We know that there's nothing good inside of us. It shows that we know that it's only in His strength that we're going to be able to resist temptation. It's only by Jesus Christ that we're going to be able to die to those fallen desires inside of us. We turn to God in prayer. When we feel doubt, when we feel discouragement, when we feel distrust sneaking in, going straight to prayer, that reveals that God is the one who gave us faith to begin with. He's the one who's going to strengthen it. When others come to us with their needs, when a person shares with you in the courtyard some heavy stuff, they're having a hard time, they're in a lot of pain, they're, maybe they're struggling with some sort of temptation or maybe discouragement or anything else, we should be ready and willing to jump right in and come to the Lord in prayer for them, with them, right then and there. As we live in this time of spiritual warfare, we need to be ready to pray every chance we get. It should be the very first thing that we go to. We also need prayer in the Spirit. Paul says, praying at all times in the Spirit. Recognizing that God's Holy Spirit, if you placed your trust in Christ, God's Holy Spirit has come now. and has made a home inside of you. He sealed you. He convicts you. He guides you. He reveals to you the truth of God's Word. He empowers you. He points you and He points others to follow Christ 
follow his lead. Christians need to be praying by the Spirit, in the Spirit, by the Spirit. Without God's Spirit within us, prompting us, reminding us that our hope is found only in God alone, without that in us, we wouldn't be looking to God in the first place. It's God's Spirit that is directing us and saying, you need to look to God. You need to bring this before Him. When Christians pray in the Spirit, they pray in line with the heart of God. They pray in line with the heart of God. They're not praying selfishly. God, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd really love for that, uh, that red Ferrari to be parked in my driveway at Christmas morning. Uh, Lord, that, that, that guy or that gal over there, they bug me. They just irritate the heck out of me. Will you just take care of them for me? Just, it's just, you know, every, every time I show up, could you just send them somewhere else so I don't have to deal with them? Father, would you, would you make me more beautiful or more wealthy or more powerful, more popular? God, would you do that? No, the Spirit doesn't direct us to pray selfish things like that. God's Spirit doesn't lead us to pray that way. When Christians pray in the Spirit, they do so with a solid biblical foundation and with a heavenly perspective. They're thinking of things of eternal importance. They're praying that God would increase faith. God, I trust you. Help me to trust you more. They're praying that God would empower His people to live in purity and holiness. They're praying that, that God would lead themselves and others to a clearer realization of the hope, the peace, the joy that's found only in Him. That's what the Spirit leads us to pray. And incidentally, that's how Paul prays for the Ephesians. We have two of his prayers right here in the book of Ephesians. We've already studied them. Maybe you'll recall in verse 1, 18, he prays that they might know the hope to which he has called them. In verse 19, he prays that they might have an increased understanding of the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. In 3.16, he prays that they might be strengthened by that same power. In 3.19, that they might know more fully the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge and that they might be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you see how the Spirit's leading that prayer? Do you see how it's, it's totally led by things that are of ultimate spiritual importance? It's good and it's right to be praying for physical needs. But, you know, even as we do, even as we're praying with someone who is going through so much suffering, and we pray for God's healing, and we anoint with oil, and we say, Lord, have mercy on this brother. Have mercy on this sister. This is an incredible burden that they have Born for so long, would you please, Lord, in your mercy, bring healing to their body? We pray those things, but even more so, we follow the Spirit's lead and are praying fervently that those things, those things that He has allowed into our lives, that they lead us to look more like Jesus, that they lead us to trust Him even more that they develop in us a greater holiness, that they sanctify us even more. 
We don't always pray the right way. And thankfully, even when we fail to do so, Paul tells us in Romans 8 that the Spirit prays on our behalf. He intercedes for us. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he searches the heart. He who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So he's bringing, what a wonderful thing, the Spirit of God is bringing, even now, our needs before the Father. And he's praying on our behalf. We pray every chance we get. We pray in the Spirit. We also need to pray all kinds of prayers. Paul says, verse 18, pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Christians realize that prayer is far more than just asking for things. It's far more than just rubbing the lamp. Far more than just wishing upon a star. Far more than that. 1 Timothy 2.1 says, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Paul says there's all sorts of prayers that we need to be praying. Yes, we make requests to God, but we also pray thanking God for what He has done. Man, this is one of the, the things that has ministered to me personally the most, is a ministry of prayer, of thanksgiving, which praises God and gives Him glory, but it is nourishing to my soul. And it changes my perspective completely. We need to pray, pray thanking God. We also need to be praying on behalf of other people. Even politicians, even those politicians who think totally differently than we do, even those who are outright against what God's Word says, we need to be praying for them. That's according to 1 Timothy 2.2. We need to be praying prayers of confession. We need to be coming daily before the throne and saying, God, I've I have messed up once again. Not only did I mess up, it was, it was more than a mistake. I was intentionally defiant today. I confess that to you. We need to be praying prayers of repentance, prayers of praise. As we pray, we express our need for God. We celebrate His character, His supremacy, His sovereignty, His holiness, His love, His justice, all those things. When we pray, we confess our sins. We thank Him for the forgiveness that He's given us in Christ. We ask for the outpouring of His power upon us that we might live in obedience to Him in a way that honors Him and pleases Him and in a way that gives Him glory and brings good to other people. Every chance we get, we pray in the Spirit. We pray all kinds of prayers and then we also pray with perseverance. Perseverance for all Christians. Paul writes, to that end, it's verse 18, of the second half of it, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. The word that Paul uses here for perseverance is often translated in Greek literature as a relentless pursuit of something. Do you relentlessly Pursue the Lord in prayer on behalf of other Christians. Christians realize that prayer is essential. 
prayer is primary. It's foundational to our ability to survive here in this war zone, to stand, to fight this spiritual battle. Like soldiers stationed on the front lines, our eyes, they, they need to be open constantly, constantly watchful, constantly looking out there for when the enemy may spring up and attack. At any moment that could happen. And we need to be watching, we need to be praying, we need to be praying for God's protection from the enemy, even before those attacks come. As we think of others, we need to be praying, Lord, I know this brother in Christ, they may be facing, they may face this week an incredible attack. It may come in all different forms, but Lord, I pray that even now they are diving into your word and that they are, you are nourishing inside of them a faith that is rock solid so that when that trial comes, they're ready. And what, a, what an incredible thing it has been for me here at this church. With the role that I'm given, I get to talk with so many different people who are suffering here. And the thing that sticks out to me every time is this rock-solid faith. Our people suffer well. Suffer so well. And God gets so much glory from our people who are enduring long-term suffering with no hope of it on this side of eternity, it ever going away. And yet they tell me, but God is good. He's caring for me. I just want to finish well. I want him to be honored in me, even in these last days. This is, it's incredible. We need to be praying that our people are empowered to do that. Watching for the enemy's attack, praying that God would protect them, that he would prepare them. But not only that, we need to be praying as soldiers that God would give us opportunity to lash out with the truth of God's word to go on the offensive. How often are we praying, God, today, today would you give me opportunity to point someone who doesn't know you to the hope of Jesus Christ? Would you just make that opportunity so clear to me? Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm a dummy. I don't see it half the time when it's there. Would you, would you just make it so clear? And then would you give me that confidence that I need to just say those few words that are going to start that conversation that's going to dive towards your word and it's going to lead this person possibly to faith in Christ. Lord, would please, Lord, prepare me for that. We need to be praying the defensive, praying the offensive. Praying that God would open doors for us. That's what Paul requests for the Ephesians. He, he actually requests that the Ephesians be doing that for him. And that, that's the tail end of our passage this morning. Verse 18b says, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. But then he starts looking at himself. I need prayer for me. And he asks this, Also for me that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak. You know, the letter that he's written to the Ephesians, it was written in prison. Paul was in prison. And very soon he knew that he was going to stand before Emperor Nero, 
along with all of the court officials. And he was going to be given the opportunity to present his case, to plead his case. But notice what he's not asking for here. He is not asking for believers to be praying for that not guilty verdict. He doesn't ask them to pray that he might get out of prison or that he might escape execution. He's not, he doesn't ask for any of that. Paul's prayer request is that they might ask God, give me the right words and help me to speak them boldly. Help me to be faithful in my witness for the gospel. It's amazing. It shouldn't shock us. This perspective that Christians are supposed to have is an eternal perspective. It's one firmly grounded in the reality that our lives are now found in Christ. For me to live as Christ, to die, well, that's just gain. He writes here in verse 20, he's an ambassador in chains. And I think that means far more than just the chains that he currently wore on his body that were binding him to that Roman soldier by his side and keeping him imprisoned. He says, I'm an ambassador in chains. I think he's talking about his role as a believer. He knows his life is all about Jesus. He's bound to Jesus. As Christ's ambassador, his whole reason for living, it's the glory of God and it's the good of his people. Brothers and sisters, this life we're living, it's a life is not about finding heaven here on earth. It's not about that. We are blessed with so many wonderful things. Praise God for those. Thank Him for His provision for us in this life. But we're not here to live our best life now. Like Paul, we're to be ambassadors in chains. We're given a sacred calling. We have a divine purpose. We're soldiers on a battlefield called to stand tall for Jesus Christ in the face of enemy attacks and to relentlessly pursue the advancement of His kingdom. So we need God's hedge of protection. Yes, we'll ask in faith that it come physically. But even more so, we're praying that God's spiritual hedge, which he's already provided in this armor that he's given us, truth, righteousness, gospel of peace, faith, salvation, the word of God, that all those things that are found in Jesus Christ will be applied to us and will wear them well. So let's be people who pray. Let's move prayer from being just an afterthought to something that is in the forefront. Let's make prayer a priority rather than something that we just do before meals because that's what Christians do. Let's be relentless in prayer, seizing every opportunity to call on our great God in our hour of need even before our hour of need, rather than just waiting for those moments of desperation. And let's make the focus of our prayers on those things that really matter, those things that are eternal. According to Ephesians 2.6, we're now seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let that be our mindset, the things of heaven. 
Let's be praying in line with the desires of God's Holy Spirit, that God's people might grow in faith and abound in Christ-like love, that they might be empowered to represent Him faithfully and boldly everywhere that they go, that, they might, that, that more people might be added to our number, and that God might be glorified in all that we do. Let's pray. Father, we do pray all of those things. I pray, Lord, that you would increase the unity that is here among us. Increase our faith and trust in you. Lord, there are those, even myself at times, who struggle with doubts. Lord, would you bring us back to the promises that are found in Scripture? And Lord, would you help us to dive into your word on a regular basis that we might, our minds might be filled continue, continually with thoughts that are from you. We're bombarded with so many messages here, Lord, that are confusing, that are constantly trying to turn us away from you, Lord. May our eyes be fixed on you as we look to your word. Lord, would you give us boldness like Paul asked for, Lord, to be Representing, representing you well everywhere that we go. That words that come out of our mouths, Lord, Lord, that we'd be conscious of those words, that they would be glorifying, honoring to you, Lord, but also just seasoned with a, a salt, a flavor of Jesus Christ, that others, when they hear us speak, they know that something is different. And you, Lord, would your Spirit lead us to share the truth and hope of the gospel that we so dearly cherish. Lord, I pray for those in this congregation who are enduring suffering. Some it's coming in the form of finance. Some it's coming with physical hardship, if not for themselves, for hearts are heavy for others that they love. Lord, would you minister to them? Lord, we pray for your deliverance physically, we pray that you would bring healing. We know that you are the great physician. We know that you are in control of all things. And every single cell in our bodies is within your reach. And you are in complete control. Lord, would you bring healing to those who need it? Lord, if it's not your will that that healing comes, would you use the suffering that we endure to draw us closer to you. Health is good. But Lord, when you allow things into our lives, things like sickness, we trust that you're going to use those things for our good and your glory. Would you bring us closer to you in those times, those hours of need? God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the truth that has gone out from this place. I thank you for the health that is here among us. Lord, I pray that you would increase that. And Lord, I pray that you would use us this evening, simple dinner that we're providing for people in our community. Lord, would you use this that the name of Christ may be exalted and he might be known to those who do not yet know him. Bring glory to yourself as we serve. We give you all these things, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, and for his sake we pray. Amen.